Hey guys, my name's Kelvin and this is the Daily Hustle Podcast, a podcast where I ask my guests about their inspirational stories about how they got to where they are today. Now today I'm here with George Caffrini, he's the director and owner of Breakthrough Fitness, this wonderful facility that we are recording in today. And George, how are you doing today? Uh, great, um, thanks for having me. It's okay, no worries. Um, it's been a while, like I've actually wanted you on this podcast for a while. But obviously, like with the whole new year and stuff coming, and I was overseas. But um, yeah, how was the new year for you? Uh, let's start off with obviously with the whole COVID thing. Cop COVID really badly, so I was yeah. kind of bedridden for a little while. Yeah, but yeah, and I'm good now. Just getting a roll on, yep. getting to my goals and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, was it slow for the gym? Like, was it a slow start for the gym as well? Because like, I'm assuming some people have gotten COVID as well, yeah. or like. Yeah, it was pretty slow. Obviously, staff members. Um, and, and a lot of clients did get COVID, um, so it was a bit slow. And everyone was sort of a bit tentative to coming back to the gym just because of the environment and stuff like that. But obviously now we're seeing a bit of a return now, so everyone's yeah. coming back. And, awesome. And cool. Wrong. Yeah. And so I guess the goal for today is to unpack your timeline, right? I really want to get to know your story and essentially how Breakthrough Fitness came to be. Like, it's a wonderful facility now. Like, behind us is a, is a huge monolith. There are five <laughs> of these across the gym. 10 combo racks, so there's a, a pretty awesome powerlifting space here. Some people say it's the best in Sydney, some people say it's the best in Australia. And then you've got like a bodybuilding section there, you've got a CrossFit and a weightlifting section there. Um, but yeah, like the goal for today is to really unpack your timeline, really start from when you're young. And I feel like for a lot of people, a lot of successful people, like I would, I would classify you as a successful person in my eyes. Thanks, their childhood and their upbringing does impact a lot on the person they are today. And so I think it's really important to sort of go through that and then just sort of, yeah, sort of see how that could have impacted you um, to become the person you are and like sort of the values that you have today. So yeah, like what was your upbringing like? What was your childhood like? Your parents, were they strict? Were they really relaxed? Like what was that like? Well, I came from a conservative Lebanese family, so a uh, very strict family. Um, my dad was... Uh, very strict in the sense that you know we had to obviously follow um, certain rules and and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it was one of those. It was an environment. It was a loving environment. You know, my parents were, were beautiful, um, still are. Um, very caring, um, supportive, um, but they did have also also some principles and things like that to follow. So um, yeah, growing up it was um, yeah I was the oldest. So yeah, being the eldest, you're pretty much like um, expectations. expectations. Yeah. Like there's also, you know, you're obviously disciplined the most out of um, everyone, so you're the first child coming through. Um, yeah, so that's the sort of environment that I grew in. It was like, but at the same time, I was um, very grateful for the fact that, you know, I have very supportive parents. My mum and dad have, you know, been able to um, raise me well. Yeah. Um, they instilled a lot of the core values in me that, you know, that I'm very grateful for today. Mm. So. Yeah, and so you mentioned that they were strict but also supportive. Like, what was that balance like? Was it like 50-50 or was it like, could you see that their sort of strictness came from a point of, like, them caring? Or what was that like for you? Yeah, it was obviously from a point of caring. Um, um, they obviously had the expectations of um, what, you know, what was good, what was right, what was wrong. So it was mainly because of, yeah, because of that. But it was, yeah, it was a, it was a good balance. I guess my mum was the... Um, Mum was more the like you know the loving type, good cop, know, good, good cop. And then <laughs> my dad was the bad cop. Yeah, um, growing up, so that was sort of the environment that I grew up in. Um, yeah. we actually I lived here for five years. I was born here, but I went to Lebanon for five years. All oh, right. So I grew up over there for for some time, and and obviously that culture there is a lot different to what it's here. Mm. 
um, and that was um, yeah, that was I guess played a big part in how you know the environment that I was in and and what came about from it. So yeah, yeah, that was an um, interesting five years as well. So yeah, right. Just, so how old were you when you were in Lebanon? Uh, I went there when I was five years old. So my yep. dad, um, typical Lebanese parent <laughs> uh, person, <laughs> um, he just pretty much wanted to retire and. Um, wanted to live on a farm so that was his dream yeah he loved the village growing up so that's he loves his all his childhood memories of just being you know um you know farming the land and obviously having livestock and stuff like that so mm. at that at the age of five um basically he took us well at my age of five it took us there and we spent five years there so it was so yeah. you just lived on a farm from five to ten yeah so like we would during winter so during the holidays yeah generally during the holidays we'll generally go live in um live in the village and then during pretty much like school time, school period, when the term started, we'd go live in um, Beirut. So ah, live okay. in the city and we'd pretty much just like kind of on the weekends as well, just make sure we go back and forth. Yeah. Because obviously when we had to go to school, basically like we went to school in Beirut and that was, um, that was where my dad also had to work as well. So. Yeah. Okay. And so what did your parents do like as a job? Um, my dad... My dad first, um, when he, f- well, in Lebanon, he was pretty much, um, he worked in real estate, which is what he's doing right now. So okay. did a bit of that. Mm. And then he ended up working as a sh- uh, cook in an American university. So, oh, wow. Yeah, okay, so cool. It was a hospital, sorry. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, wow, interesting. And so in terms of your, like, your relationship with your parents, was it ever a point in time where it sort of became disjointed? Like, I don't know, did you have a rebel phase or something when you're growing up? Or like, you know, what, what was that like? Yeah, uh, Everyone, I guess, had, had a rebel phase at one time or another, but my one wasn't too severe. It was like pretty much like I rebelled in the way I rebelled later on. I found myself rebelling in my teenage years, but I felt more rebel, uh, rebelled more like when I got to uh, a bit late, like 21, 22, and I decided oh, basically right. to um, to do my thing. Obviously, growing up, uh, Lebanese household, um, and obviously, I used to, I was, I consider myself intelligent, I guess. Um, I was ducks in the form um, pretty much since I was like, I don't know, since you won. Mm. And um, and then um, just found myself in my high school years, I was just like sort of just over a lot of things. I didn't really enjoy studying as much. Right. And then um, my dad always wanted me, since I was a little kid, he used to go around and tell everybody, my son's going to walk around with, you know, his me- medical kit and he's going to like treat, he's going to be a doctor, he's going to treat everyone around <laughs> the world. That was his dream. Yeah. And um, I didn't know how to tell him. So when I finished school, I just pretty much just like, I got admitted into uh, medicine, but I didn't want to do it. So I just decided to basically um, do medical science to buy me some time to yeah. tell him that I didn't want to do it. I remember you also told me that you lied to him saying that you didn't get enough marks to get into medicine school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So it came to a point where like you were ducks for many, many, many years and you yeah. sort of like set that expectation. And then it came to a point where you're like, actually, fuck this. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't do this anymore. It's like you 11, you 12. Like yeah. I literally... I, so you're 10, 11, 12. I just honestly just rebelled during that time. I didn't. I actually attempted to actually fail an exam to feel what it was like to fail an exam. Wow. I tried God. to do it. I couldn't do it. I was just didn't. I just, <laughs> didn't too smart. just didn't enjoy it. And I, just, I just didn't. I just, at that time, I just, it was just monotonous. I've just, I was obviously like, I just, I went to, I was an accelerate, accelerated learning in um, year one, year two uh, in Lebanon. And it was like, I obviously used to study a lot and that was the thing I used to do a lot but I just sort of like phased out there was no enjoyment in it mm. I didn't really find like I wasn't working towards an end goal or anything like that and it was my interest didn't line up with what 
I was, I was studying in like school, like the stuff that you study in school yeah. doesn't line up with anything right in, in life now, at all. In life at all. Yeah. So I just found like it was just like monotonous. So I just found myself like not putting in any effort. So like in nine, year 10, 11, 12, I just pretty much like went from like, you know, up here to down, like not really caring. Mm. Um, but yeah, when I eventually, so I eventually did medical science at uni. I finished that. I'm glad I finished that. But like doing that, that was like, that was hell. Like I didn't really pay attention in any of the lectures. I wasn't enthusiastic about going to tutorials at all. Mm. I spent most of my time in the UTS. Um, in downstairs, they had a bar. So I spent most of my time there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Hanging out with friends. Um, so you finished your degree in medical finished science? Finished my degree so. in medical okay. science. And then yeah. I decided to go on to do law. And then um, I had interest in like, business, economics, law, um, legal studies and back to school. So I thought, you know what, I'll just do law. I really enjoyed that. The first six months were awesome doing it. But I just decided like at that time, that's when I was starting breakthrough. So mm. I had to kind of decide what between one or the other. Yeah. So yeah. So with medical science, how many years was that? Three years? Four? Three years. It Three took years. me four years to finish, obviously, because um, like I wasn't paying attention. Like, oh, so you failed subjects in the I end. Failed, do we do yeah, oh, I had to redo right, chemistry. Okay. Yeah. I had to redo chemistry. Okay. Chemistry too. I was like, yeah, like I said before, I was just I was doing minimal effort. Like I remember my mates like studying for like ages, and I'll, the night before I would just like cram in as much as I can and just go in and just like hope for the best. And so, did your parents know that you were doing that? Or nah, no, no idea. So yeah, it's just more like I guess like it's like if you're interested in something, you're gonna put in a lot of effort in. Yeah. It. If you're not really interested, you're gonna put as minimal effort as possible mm. in that. So. And so. If you were to do it again, yeah. knowing that what you know now, what would you have done differently? Would you have done anything differently or do you think that was, you needed that to learn? Look, you do, do need that to learn, but obviously with, the, with knowing the fact that, you know, I didn't need to do medical science to do what I had to do, I would have not done medical science. I would have basically told my parents there and then and said, told my dad, hey, I'm just going to do, you yeah. know, what I want to do. Yeah. It was just, um, I guess you have to go through that stuff to learn to understand how and to understand the importance of actually doing what make what you love, you know, yep. rather than what the other people around you expect you to do. So yeah, and so in at that time, the reason why you didn't break it to your parents, like I don't actually want to do medicine and stuff, was it just because like you didn't want to let them down, or was, what was that like? It was it was that entirely. So I didn't want to let my dad down. Obviously, um, I respect my dad a lot, and he's very hardworking. I've seen how how much he's done for us. He sacrificed a lot, a lot for us, and. Um, you know, so I had I couldn't, you know, I couldn't break his heart. Yeah. So it was an, like an eventual thing. It was like a slow thing. Yeah. You know, and part of the reason is what well, like I can't stand blood. I'm not gonna lie to you. I can't stand needles. Can't stand blood. If I feel like to, <laughs> if something was to happen in the gym, I'm the last person you want around. <laughs> just, just for the fake sake of like, you know, I'll faint. Like I've fainted. Really? Yeah. It was like, yeah. Like I remember once going to get stitches. I had to get stitches on my head because I had someone pretty much barge into me. Okay. Footy, and then um, his tooth went straight into my head. Oh shit! I told my mum's hand. I was 21 years old, and this, like I remember, this, like this doctor was like, as he was doing the stitches, looking at me like, "Is this guy serious?" Like, like I was literally <laughs> crying and shit. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, that was that was part of it. That's yeah. Pretty much part of it. Just like you know, I didn't want to, yeah, didn't want to do it. Yeah, I think a lot of people like I personally felt that pressure, where I was like, I have to live up to my parents' expectations, and I'm sure a lot of people from. I'd say like a lot of people from ethnic backgrounds would experience the same thing. I mean, what would your advice be to people who are facing those sort of expectations, but you know, they don't, they're not satisfying their own needs or their own, like, you know, what they want to do. Well, you, you, you're going to get one shot at life. So you got to do what makes you happy and you got to make sure that, you know, in doing, in making yourself happy, it might sort of upset a lot of people in the short term, but in the long run, you're going to be the best version of yourself. Being the best version of yourself is going to lead to, 
making those people around you happy because obviously your parents or you know your friends family whoever it is like you know girlfriend wife or boyfriend or husband like they're basically gonna obviously have the expectations of you but they should love you and like wish to support you and when they do see you happy they're gonna realize that you know that's you know that's for the best that you've made the right decision so like a lot of people obviously when they come to make a decision they're always thinking of the short term Mm. um you know response rather than looking at long term and like you know you got to in short term, you've got to make sure that you're happy. But mm. in the long term, what will happen, a lot of people will be happy with you. Yeah. And obviously, you're going to be the best version of yourself. So you're going to impact them in a positive way rather than yeah. sort of, you know, having, you know, being unhappy and miserable for the rest of your life. Mm. So it's good to do yeah. that. And I think the other thing is also like if you constantly try to live up to not just your parents, but other people's expectations, whether it's a partner or your friends, like, I feel like you're going to end up resenting them because you're like, I'm living this shitty life because of you yeah. sort of thing. And so like, you don't want to be resenting your parents or something when they're you know, on their deathbed. You're like, fuck, I'm living this shitty life yeah. because yeah. like exactly. you made me make these decisions. Exactly. So yeah, I, feel, I, I love that. I, I agree. Um, so in terms of breakthrough, I know from what we've said before in previous conversations that your dad didn't really want to, didn't want you to pursue it as much. Obviously, like he wanted you to do medicine and then he did law for a bit. Um, number one, how did the idea come to life of like getting into the fitness industry? And then number two, like how is that transition between going to uni, being ducks every year in high school to going around to the fitness industry? Um, I always had a passion for sports. Like I really enjoyed fitness growing up. So like obviously playing lots of sports, um, is sort of, and, and also one important factor, like my, my mum's brother owns a gym in Lebanon and a gym, a volleyball stadium. It's like, yeah, it's like a sort of a whole like sort of fitness center fitness sort, of thing. sort of thing. Yeah. So growing up, when I grew up in Lebanon, I saw a lot of that. So I saw, um, we would always look forward to the summer to obviously watch the tournaments that would come up. Um, so obviously I had that massive influence and my uncle was the type of person like it was easy to talk to, you know, it was a cool uncle. So like for me, um, I was able to sort of like, you know, see what he was doing and, and sort of relate to that and kind of it kind of spurred me a little bit in a way. And my, my mum my was always very, um, grew up being very athletic. So she obviously being in that environment, played a lot of sports as well. So uh, when I was 18, I was like pretty much pushed to go to the gym. And I, okay. that was because of the fact that um, I was um, working at Domino's before that. And oh, really? after every shift I was getting, I was pretty much just like, I would like stay back for half an hour, an hour to help my manager. And my manager would be like, okay, can help me for another half an hour, an hour, finish the dough, roll the dough out and stuff like that. I'll give you a free pizza or whatever pizza or leftover you can have. It. <laughs> I was like 17 or, or eight, I think it was 16, 17, free 18. Yeah. Free food, yeah. awesome stuff. Let's do it. And the thing is, I would always order something extra for the family, but I would eat those other two pizzas or like the other pizza on my own, full <laughs> pizza on my own. I was waiting for my parents to pick me up and then I'll just pretty much go from there. Uh, so I was packing on some KGs. So my mum noticed that. So she pretty much just told me, you know, you should join, you should join the local, local gym. And it used to be cooler, but it's around the corner from here. So I just joined up from there. And I found that I just sort of got addicted to kind of, I guess, like the feeling of just, just, you know, accomplishing things, whether it was, you know, you know, pushing some bit of extra weight or, you know, just like running a little bit faster or like finishing a circuit better than usual. And it sort of helped me through a lot of situations during that time, like growing up. And also gave me that bit of confidence. I'd go to a party, for example, and everyone like, "Wow, George works out." And yeah. back then, 
I feel like it wasn't as prevalent. Like there wasn't a lot of people that was that were doing it, doing it as per se as today. I feel like today, which is a good thing, we have a lot of people obviously training and and doing all that. So that was um yeah that was that. And then I found myself like obviously training a lot of people. So it's just a lot of friends giving them a lot of tips on what to do. And then it just pretty much led from there. It's like it's like it was one of those things where it was just like it was a hobby of mine. It was my outlet. Mm. And then it just sort of started um, it started sort of coming about and I saw myself I saw myself in a park with a few people like a few friends training yep. them giving yeah. a boot camp session and then yeah. it just sort of happened and I guess it all sort of it all happened when I started working at fitness first yep. so I was yeah, working at reception and then it sort of came about from there and the idea of breakthrough came from there it was actually my first my first business my first personal training group personal training business wasn't called breakthrough either okay what was yeah. it called? It's personal group fitness. It's personal? Yeah. Ah, it was like okay. black, and, black and yellow um, colours as well. So yeah. it wasn't red and black and white behind us. So yeah, so it sort of started off with that. And then I approached the, one of the PTs. And one of the PTs there, um, I told him, you know, what if we'd start our own group fitness business? Mm. And then we're like, okay, let's go. Let's okay. do it. So yeah, it was like, looking back at it as well, like it was just like pretty much like, it, it, was, it was just so natural from yeah. what I can see. Like that progression was just like, you went to the gym, you loved it. People started to come come to you to, to get trained and then it just like one thing led to another. Yeah. Yeah. That's just awesome. pretty much what happened. And then I found myself like, again, like, you know, obviously I wasn't, with with medical science, I wasn't interested in it at all. So I put minimal effort in it. But then I found when we came to like, you know, obviously training people and things like that, I'd, I'd sit back and research as much as possible. Right. Um, I felt, I didn't have a car back then. I didn't have any mode of transport. Um, so I'd pretty much like have two bags of like um, dumbbells and whatnot, like probably weighing about you know 40, 30, 40 kilos oh, each. Shit. Yeah. And I'd like pretty much walk to my bus stop, which usually takes five minutes. It used to take me twenty minutes. I'd be drenched in sweat. Oh wow! Then I catch a bus to the park. Yeah. Wait there for my clients to come in, and then pretty much just like catch the bus bus back home. I did that for six months. Wow. Yeah, so until I was able to save some money to buy a car. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome, man. That's that's an incredible story. And like, despite that sort of like, I'd say it was a tough situation. Like, it, it, you didn't make it easy for yourself where like you had to catch the bus. To go. Like, someone could have easily just said like, screw this, whatever, yeah. it's too hard. Um, what kept you going during that time? Like, what made you walk those 20 minutes with 40 kilos in each hand to catch the bus to go see your clients and then catch the bus back and walk home honestly it was the end goal I always saw myself um, you know I wanted to always own a facility like this um, I always saw myself doing so and I knew I could it was more the um, I always was rather than focusing in the moment as per se I was literally just like kind of like always looking at the end goal mm. and a lot of it had to do with the fact as well that I really enjoyed it. Yep. You know, like you could have an, like, you know, an amazing end goal, but if you don't enjoy what you do, I don't think you can, you can, you're going to be able to actually achieve it because you need to enjoy what you do. Yep. I enjoyed like the company of people. Um, I wasn't pretty social back then, but obviously with time became more social. Um, yeah, I was pretty much an introvert most of the time. Mm. And then it just became... It just also seeing the transformations in people's life. I guess that kept me sort of going as well. Like yeah. the impact that you had on people. Mm. Like I went in there with, with obviously the intention of like helping people. Yeah. But I didn't think I was going to have that much of an impact. Yeah. And then when I did, it made me feel important as mm. per se. It was like, okay, you know, I'm changing this person's life. I've yeah. changed this person. They've dropped 30, 40 kilos during that time. Yeah. Mm. And they're much more like, you know, social. They, 
um, she found, you know, the girl would have found a boyfriend and settled, you know, and like she's happier because of that. Yeah, she's not sure. insecure anymore. Yeah. Little things like that made me sort of want to keep going, yep. want to keep pushing. Mm. Yeah. And it was, I guess having little wins along the way as well. Yep. Yeah. So I absolutely sort of uh, connect with that, the whole thing about like being able to impact people's lives. Like when I first started as a personal trainer, I just thought, look, I just want to help people. I just want to, you know, for example, help people get to their fitness goals and whatnot. And then it came to a point where people were saying, like, you've changed my life. Like, meeting you, like, was a switch in my life that changed everything. And being, getting those messages is just like, wow, surreal, like, that's yeah. the impact that I have that on people's it. lives. You actually changed their life. Yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, you helped me get to, like, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, and that feeling, man, is, is, is insane. It, it, it does keep you going. It it's like, it. the, I can't think of anything remotely close to a job or occupation where like people just say straight to your face like you've changed my life um unless you can like other jobs oh, <laughs> obviously yeah. there's a few other jobs like that but like you can't like in that instance like having that holistic sort of impact on someone yeah, yeah. You're, get, you're having a like you know a physio physiological impact on that person you're having solid psychological impact on that person yeah you see them change on many levels you see like i've i've known people like i've had clients that you know were complete like outcasts we're doing things that completely wrong you know mm. we're going down the path of doing you know uh, stuff that they shouldn't be doing and they were able to change their lives basically based on having a bit of routine I think that's the beauty of um, you know physical training like being able to train and like you know exert yourself on a daily basis and have some sort of routine where it gives you that you know release of endorphins or gives you that sense of accomplishment is so important mm. you know we neglect it in, in today's society like uh, we don't get that many you know we don't get a lot of people pushing that as much. Mm. I've noticed as soon as people have that sort of routine, especially because like in your case, like, you know, you're a very caring individual. And so you're, we are able to sort of show them that care and love that might be missing in their lives. Yeah, you know, and, and they notice that. And they notice that, hey, Kelvin really cares about me. He's here not just to obviously, you know, obviously trying to make a living, but at the same time, you're giving them something that's important you know, that's beneficial. You're not, mm. you're not giving them ice cream, for example, yeah. so they can literally just have <laughs> that, you know, three minutes of like enjoyment and then like, you know, it has its like sort of, you know, um, negatives from there. Mm. But it's, you're, you're giving them something that's going to give them long-term benefits. Yeah. So it's, Absolutely. yeah, it's like surreal. Yeah, you know, you definitely. do, I, I, I love getting messages on it, you know, whenever it is, whenever they do come through and they do come through, you know, at times as well when I feel, so demotivated and I look at it and I'm like okay I'm mm. appreciative that I have that impact on that person's life Yeah, and it's yeah it's, I think it's very important I don't think any I can't think of too many jobs that have that I, sort of impact. I'd say like a doctor but yeah. like they, yeah like they, they change people's lives exactly, obviously they do, yeah. but like you can't I say think, anything bad about them in case like you know it's <laughs> have surgery one day and then but I think the other thing is also just the barrier to entry as well yeah. for a trainer like it's very low barrier to entry and obviously like they have their pros and cons. Um, but like the pro is that like you, you can make such an impact on people's lives without really needing to, um, you know, like for medicine to become a doctor, you've got to study for like eight, 10 years. Yeah. Whereas with a personal training um, course, that's like 12 months and then you can start working and just start making an impact on people's yeah. lives. Um, and I think that's really rewarding. Um, but back to the whole thing with breakthrough. Yeah. So you started as, um, it's personal, yeah. it's personal training. Yeah, so yeah. Personal, yeah, it's personal group fitness, yeah. Okay, it's yeah. personal group fitness. And so that was group fitness classes at a park. Yeah, so we decided, by. yeah, we decided we just wanted to do, instead of doing it as a boot camp, I wanted basically to offer group personal training and obviously um, personal training in a group environment. Okay. It was like, yeah, we started off doing that. Yep. And then, yeah. and then uh, what 
sort of led it towards Breakthrough Fitness? Yeah, so just with my old business partner, I found um, obviously I was getting into it. I was obviously putting a lot more work than he was. He had his PT clients at Fitness First. Uh, obviously, his intentions were a little bit different. They had good intentions, but it was just I just didn't see myself, you know, sort of working really well with him. So I just pretty much just told him I just want to go branch out on my own, and oh, I did from there. And the clients went with me from there. And yeah, so generally, what happened um, after that was that I had one of my close um, school friends starting his PT um, course at the time. He had just finished, um, after finishing it, he approached me and asked me if he can basically, um, you know, go into business with me. And so we decided to basically do, do that together. Um, and then we, I remember just, I remember we all met up one day, um, a close group of friends of mine and we were trying to come up with the name yeah. for the next business. And I was yeah. like, whatever, choose whatever name it was. And at the time, Mona was like one of my um, schoolmates as well. She basically came up with the name Breakthrough Fitness. Right. And then yeah, so just we went from there. We had we had a really close relationship. Um, Alex and I, my old business partner, we were, you know, good mates obviously from school. But then it led to like he started working at um, it was Virgin Active, and he found himself like not putting in as much effort as he wanted to. Yeah. Only because he was getting busy, and mm. so rather than sort of like, you know, seeing us like sort of like deteriorate, like have a relationship, our friendship deteriorate, he pretty much just said, you know what, it's probably better you know you just buy me out and then you can continue on your own yep. so, so that was that was the next phase of breakthrough where pretty much i just sort of sort of went out on my own and started doing it and mm. that time i had a car i had a toyota avalon it's a green toyota avalon <laughs> nice <laughs> um, i used to get pulled over all the time only because um basically um i had so much weight in the car that it was always like low oh yeah, really so, yeah and then sort of just went from there i decided just to basically have um to go out and just you know, do that on my own. Yeah. And that was the that was the first time I went out on my own. Yeah. So the whole thing with the two business partners then, yeah. I mean, what were the learnings that you got from that? Do you think that, uh, for me personally, I find that getting into business with friends it can be quite difficult because there's that whole like friendship versus business partner. Yeah. And it's really hard to sort of like distinguish. And then when, for example, when you have conflict, if either of you aren't mature enough to put aside that friendship and just yeah. you know think about this very logically and like in a business sense then yeah shit can go down yeah so like what were the learnings that you, you sort of so i was you know i was grateful for the fact that both those business partners obviously didn't have any conflict after that like okay. after those incidents like you know i could you know i see them now I'd say hi to them you know when i do see them in public it's fine it's all good okay. yeah um but yeah being in business with a partner it's really hard in the sense that if you don't if you don't like if your work ethic your values where you see the comp like you know the company going a lot of this those things don't line up it's going to be pretty hard mm. and i think communication is key so i learned from in that case that basically you know um that i need to communicate better if i was to have a business business partner which i did after that which yep. i'll get, get on to yeah um yeah so you need to be able to communicate things a lot better mm. and i found that I don't know, it just don't, doesn't seem like in certain things, I, I believe like, you know, partnerships really work really, really well. Where, you know, if you're developing, or if you know, you're going through, you know, doing some certain jobs that require a lot of effort and it's going to be sort of beneficial for the both of you. We're going to make, you know, both going to make substantial amounts of money and you're dealing with, you know, certain things. I think it's important to have a partner, mm. especially if their values line up, their work ethic and the vision for the business lines up. Yeah. But in certain cases where you can actually, where in my case, 
I think I was just a bit hesitant on doing it on my own because I wasn't confident in myself. Right. So what I found then there is to kind of I needed to be more confident in myself. You yeah. know, I had, you know, I had the skills to back it up. It was just a matter of just ha- just believing in myself a little bit more. So, so you think you could have done it by yourself? Could have done it by myself. Right. You know, I had all the skills to do that. Like you know, I still look back at things that I used to do. Um, you know, things I came up with. You know, for it to come from you know from the park to to moving to obviously to this. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I had the skill set and that was needed to do this, you know, mm. like to do this in 10 years is pretty, pretty good. And yep. I, you know, I've finally recognized that, you know, mm. whereas before I was pretty much hard on myself. Yeah. And by being hard on myself, I wasn't really confident in myself doing things. And I think that's a, a flaw that I was able to overcome and recognize. And I'm glad I went through that period with my, you know, with those two business partners because I was mm. able to recognize that and be like, okay. You know, you need to do this on your own. Be confident in what yep. you do because yeah. you're good at what you do. Do you think that sort of like being hard on yourself um, resulting in like not being as confident in your own abilities, do you think that came from your upbringing like with your parents yeah. having high expectations of yourself and you not meeting it? Yeah, it came Yeah, it came from that. Like came, it came from the fact that my, obviously my dad was like, you know, very strict. Yeah. And it does have an impact in that sense, but... I was able to kind of recognize that later on down the track. I was only, you know, I was only able to recognize that properly just recently. And then it just came about from just um, obviously understanding why we do certain things. I think as human beings, we all do certain things based on our behaviors and our upbringing. Mm. Um, and understanding that and understanding, you know, what drives our subconscious to do stuff yeah. is very important. Mm. Um, but I always was, I always had those, like, in saying that as well, to be fair, I always had high expectations of myself. I've always been the type of person to kind of place those expectations on myself, not just because of how strict my parents are. Yeah. I still like, you know, but moments like always, for me, it's always like, be the best. You gotta yeah. come first in your yeah. class. You gotta, yeah. you know, be the best in this team. You gotta, you know, have the best gym or you gotta be the best personal trainer. You gotta be the mm. best coach. You gotta be the best, like whatever it is. It's yeah. just like, uh, yeah, it's just like, I always like I have a chip on my shoulder and mm. I need to keep doing that. So I can't say it's entirely, you know, just because of the fact that my parents, dis- my parents discipline me a lot. Yeah. I think a lot of it's got to do with my personality as mm. well. Yeah. And I think that trait, like I personally relate to that trait quite a lot where like, for example, in powerlifting, in this sport, like I want to be the best in my weight class. I want to you know, become the best trainer that I can be. I want to be the best coach that I can be. And that's all well and good. Like it's awesome to want to strive to be the best. But I think it's also being able to manage expectations and go, hey, look, like realistically, you know, maybe we can't get there, but maybe we can achieve something else. Or yeah. like, yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like being having high expectations of yourself, um, but then like, you know, maybe it's not realistic for you to meet them. Like how do you sort of manage that? I think in that in that instance, you basically got to make sure that you're that you're being very grateful, I guess, for for where you're at. Right. Um, you know, being grateful. Yes. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna try my best to be the best powerlifter in your case. You know, you're gonna be the best powerlifter in your weight class. Mm. I'm gonna try that, but I'm gonna be grateful for, for the fact that I can actually lift that weight wow. that most people can't do. You yeah. know, if we really look at it, and we have to like kind of measure you against every single person out there. You know every male person that's living right now you know you'd be like in the top tier you know mm. right now because um, obviously most people don't even do it or even the people that do it aren't as strong as you are yeah so i guess it's like being grateful in the moment for the things around you but still having the expectations because you know what having those expectations aren't a bad thing you know it's led to a lot of people doing some great things like for you sure, wouldn't have absolutely. gone to the moon for example yeah. you know if you mm. didn't have those expectations like you want to have you know the michael jordans and 
and Muhammad Ali's and stuff like that. If Muhammad Ali wasn't saying wasn't saying out loud that like he was the greatest, you know, he's the best. Yeah. He's, you know, and that we wouldn't have had that boxer. You 100%. know. So I guess it's important to understand that you are basically gonna go out there and do your best because you should go out there and do your best. Like yeah. if you're gonna be uh, contribute somewhat to society, which everyone should, you know, you need to go out there on a daily basis and do your best, but also be grateful for being able to do so and yeah. for wherever opportunity you might have who knows you know you might try to be the best powerlifter but you might end up being the best coach or you might end mm. up you know having the best podcast or, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. it just depends what you know what life's going to throw yeah. at you but it's just going out there with the intention of doing your best yeah like you absolutely. know i think that's the most important thing and i think the thing is with training as well i touched on this briefly with beth in in our podcast um last year is that like training is a privilege training isn't a right like n- you you don't given you're not given the right to train like being able to use even these facilities is a privilege you know to be to be using calibrated plates when you train there are people across the world who are using like concrete weights to train and um i've seen you know videos of people in like africa for example who are strong as heck yeah. um using you know concrete weights and stuff to get to where they want to be because they want it they really, really want it and um yeah i think that that trade's really really valuable yeah True. And, like, there's no harm in actually trying to be the best. Like, you yeah. know, even if you fall short, like, how I see it is, like, you know, you're just going to just keep just pushing, just pushing through. Like, mm. in the case, like, like, I look at this facility, like, I look around now, like, I do, like, you know, it's, I look in awe, I'm like, okay, wow. Like, if I was to manage my expectations back then, I wouldn't have been able to get to this. Because if mm. I had to actually tell you, like, I remember when I first opened up this facility, opening it up, even before that, even when I was, like, you know, back in the park, you know, I used to think that, I had that expectation in my head that, hey, I'm going to be the best. Yeah. You know, and even if though I've, even if I fall short now, looking looking at this, I'm like, okay, wow, this is going to give an opportunity to someone else to be the best. Mm. You know, so like someone else might come here and train train really hard. I'm, we might have someone that might you know become the best version of themselves, or even have you know become the best in in any whatever sport it is or whatnot. Yeah. And that's like. If you, if I was to kind of like diminish that and like get rid of that thought of trying to be the best and managing my expectations back then, mm. you know, I wouldn't have been able to get to this. Yeah, right. And it's sort of, even when I used to like run the park sessions, I used to walk around thinking, you know, like I was the bee's knees and like looking at everyone train. I'm like, yeah, this yeah. is so good. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't as good as I, I thought it was. Yeah. Even looking at the, when we first set up this gym, I used to walk mm. in here thinking, like, wow. What a center, yeah. and now I'm ashamed. Like not ashamed of it, but like I look at it and I'm like, it wasn't anywhere near what it is now. Yeah. And now, like I can confidently say that you know it is one of the best, like you know, training facilities in mm. Sydney. Mm. Um, and I guess if that if I didn't have those expectations, yeah, and if I didn't drive towards those expectations, yeah, it wouldn't have led to this. Mm. And I can see how much it impacts a lot of people here. So yeah. like I'm glad I sort of didn't manage those expectations. I'm glad awesome. that I was just like, you know, just hard-headed about send. it. Yeah, just listen. <laughs> so sometimes you need to. I yeah. think in life, sometimes you need to. You need to be very sure about yourself because yeah. like no one's going to back you as much as you are going to back yourself. Mm. You know, if you can't back yourself, you're not going to be able to do anything. Like, yeah. it's just got to have that. I, I, had, I had heaps of people laugh at me. Like, right. I still had lots of friends laugh, laugh and they one of them admitted to me. She's, uh, she told me like, you know, when you were 22 and you told us that basically you were going to do this I even got my friend to draw um, some images of this place yep. for me. Yep. As an architect, like I, when I was 23, I got him to do some, and I pretty much yeah. And like when I told all of them about it, I still remember like everyone was like yeah, yeah no worries, awesome, good stuff. And like I know they were laughing, yeah, but I didn't really care. Yeah, like, right. I just it was like that. Hey, I'm gonna 
show you guys. Mm. I mean, most importantly, I was going to show myself that I could do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think when it comes to the point where you know that you have the passion for it, you ha- you know that like you you love what you're doing, you enjoy what you're doing. There's no reason why you shouldn't commit everything to it, like commit 110% to it, because like even if you don't get to where you want to be. You're loving what you do. Exactly. That's that's all you want, right? Yeah. That's all you want in life. Most so, important thing. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Um, so let's bring it back to like after the park. So yeah. you're in the park for how long? I was in the park for five five years. Holy shit! Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, was I wasn't like, like <laughs> I didn't think it was that long. So it was like yeah, yeah you know, it was five two years. years. Like literally, like looking back at it as well, it was like pretty much it was just one thing on the other. Like I kind of again I stuffed up badly. I stuffed up in the sense that. At one time, I was charging like you know thirty or things like thirty nine ninety five a week for yep. boot camp sessions, and yeah. that was the going rate at the time. Mm. I got scared because of winter. Winter was coming around, mm-hmm. so I decided to drop my prices down. Right, I dropped them down really low, okay. and I found myself playing catch up after that. Mm. So I was always like trying to increase my prices slowly. Yeah, right. So what it would have taken me a shorter period of time to get to where I wanted to get to. Yeah, it was a bad business decision because obviously. I was scared. Mm. Um, I just found myself basically, you know, um, yeah, doing that. But it was in a sense like I had to basically go through all that to to kind of get to the final product. And then yep. being in the um, going from the park to the going from the park to the gym. I went to a small gym first to start off with. That was so it was four years in the park, and then it was a year in that gym. So it was like a small studio. Yeah, it was like a small like little warehouse. Um, <laughs> when I rented it out at the time, like pretty much I was trying to go through a DA approval to get a DA approved. Like yep. it was just like, you know what? It was like, yeah, again, that was like the size of the front reception. Oh, really? Yeah, and it had like a back, uh, a back, um, sort of like an outdoor area yep. in the back. And we yeah. used to, yeah, train in there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could have like some, like a few pieces of equipment. Like it was all like just generic equipment. Like mm. it wasn't the best of equipment back mm. then. But um, yeah, just went from there and that was, it was my little baby. Like I spent like, you know, five, I remember working from there from 5am to 10pm wow. every day. Yeah. You know, trying to basically run, like we used to run like uh, little small group PT sessions between our classes. So if you basically couldn't make it at 6am class, you'd come at 7am, between 7am to 8am and I'll set you up with three others or two others or whatever and continue training. It was that type of sort of, right. Uh, yeah. Concept I was going for. Mm. Again, it was just trial and error. Like looking at it now, I was like, okay, I wouldn't have necessarily done that. Yep. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, that was that that next step, and that was basically for a year. And that was by yourself, or yeah, that was by myself. So before that, in the park, I I was in business. So again, um, I had another business partner, and I was with my ex girlfriend at the time. Mm. Um, that was like a couple of years during duration of our relationship. Yep. After basically buying her out, I decided to go and yeah, try to open up something small. Yep. To start from there, go on to the next step. Mm, cool. And so after that studio, you were at the studio for a year. Yeah. Yep. And then after that was to here. Yeah. So we had a bit of a falling out with the the landlord at the time. Um, he was wanting me to move into his next um, next building, and I didn't want to. Like it was, it was bigger space, but it was a lot of rent. Mm. So I just started looking around. I was desperate to find the place, and I remember like just driving everywhere for like you know a couple of months to find something. And yeah. then once I just drove on this road, I drove here, and I, I remember on. I think I was going to get some bread for my mum or something like that. I just can't remember <laughs> yeah. what I was doing. Yeah. And I saw the sign, so I just pretty much like t- took a photo of it, sent it to my dad. My dad's in real estate, so you know, just to ask him if he knew who the person was. I contacted the contacted the person, went from there, and then just yeah, mm. it was. We we're trying to set up. As we we're trying to set up this, this was like, it was hell. Oh like, really? Yeah, it was hell. 
um, obviously not understanding. Like a lot of work goes into setting up a gym. Like you know, most gym owners can relate to this. Like you know, you got to get DA approval. Like there's, there's a square meter rule in terms of like you know, and cast. You got to have some sort of car spots. You've got to have public transport access to public transport. You know, there's a lot of things that go into planning it. I thought it was easy, so I just pretty much just went to get um, went to get some like went to get DA approval. So I went to the town planner. Um, at Parramatta Council and I asked him at the time if it's okay for it to go through like it would be okay if I just put the DA through because it was easy you should be able to just go through, like you know just submit your architectural plans and it will go through easily because it's like you know zoned for that I'm like yep. awesome this is good so we did that because um, we went with the intention with the landlord because the landlord didn't want to give it to me at first but right. he said he'll give it to me if I just basically um, secure the deal today based on the fact with no pre-DA. Usually when you go into a place, you go with a pre-DA approval sort yep. of thing. Yeah. Um, and for, it wasn't on the on the condition of DA approval. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get it no matter what. Mm. So yeah, got it. Then six weeks later, I got a letter from council pretty much saying, no, nah, it hasn't been approved. And it was oh, like, wow. yeah, it was hell after that. I was pretty much had the place for a whole year. I was paying rent for it. And so you signed the contract and everything? Yeah, I was paying rent for it. It was like, you know, at the time it was like, uh, it was 84,000. Wow. They found four thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So I was right. I was still in the park. I was renovating here slowly. Yep. And trying to find the money to do everything at the time. Yeah. And then yeah, and having to pay that eighty four k as well, like you know, for the year. Yep. So that was that was hard. So you had this whole space. I mean, I mean, how many square meters is it? Is this space? Twelve hundred square meters. Twelve hundred square meters. And like you couldn't use it at all for anything. Couldn't use it at all. I like when it rained, <laughs> the park. I'll tell people to come in here, but it was dusty as anything. So you come in here. And it was just people didn't want to be in this space. Like, it wasn't wow. the way it is now at all. Like, it was like, those rooms on rooms on rooms. So oh, we pretty much okay. knocked everything down, made it into an open space, yep. and, and, and went from there. But, like, yeah, it was hell for a whole year. And I was like, you know, I'll, yeah, some yeah, some of the stuff that sort of happened along the way was like, you know, you know, like, sort of, although looking back at it, anyone would have been discouraged and be like, right, fine, leave it. Yeah. I sort of just... Stuck, like pretty much just stayed by it. And what like. what made you push through it? Like, it, it was obviously a very tough situation. Like, you're paying eighty four thousand dollars in rent. You're at a park. You had to pay to renovate this whole space. Like, yeah. what what kept you going? At the same time, I was actually renting another space. So oh, we're renting a space. It's <laughs> <laughs> bad. Renting a space, Australian top team. Yeah. So at the time, um, when I was in Wenny, I I came across um, one of the guys who owns F forty five Marin and Simon Alami, and he. Yeah. He had a, one of his apprentices. He was becoming an MMA fighter. Yep. And he told me, he brought him in for a session, trained, and then I got to meet Suman and Ash. And then I was um, lucky enough, obviously, to train them in their prep for, like, Rebel. Uh, it was a fight in, um, in China. Mm. Um, and then basically, um, yeah, we went from there. So we was training them, like, on a daily basis in the morning at, like, 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. in the uh, morning. Yeah. Just before the classes started. I trained them there and... Pretty much, I just um, got into a conversation with them. I pretty much got to like rent out a little space in their gym. I was able to put like all the equipment there. Okay. So I was paying 700 bucks there a week. Yeah. I was paying like 84k. And that was just to store your equipment. I just had my equipment. I was gonna, I was doing the whole gym thing. So you could go. So I gave the options to my clients because a lot of clients were really uncomfortable going into like, you know, MMA gym to train. Yeah. Yep. So I had a lot of females at the time. So we still had park sessions. Yeah. So at the time I had park sessions going on. Yeah. Had sessions or like, one of us manning the MMA gym. Yep. And then pretty much renovating here as well at the same right. time. So I was like 700 bucks plus 84K a year here. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like, wow. yeah, it was like, and so thing. at that time, were you still by yourself or did you? Yeah, I was on my own. Um, I had a, an agreement with one of, um, one of the coaches, um, coaches in, in regards to profit share. Yep. So we just basically, um, and I paid him a wage. Mm. So I paid him a wage and for the clients that he brought in, he pretty much got half yep. of that. So, but yeah, I was on my own, like at the time, like, you know, I was doing everything on my own, trying to get the business up at the same time, trying to source the equipment from China. Yep. Honestly, I don't know what made me like, like it, when I look back at it, I didn't make a lot of smart decisions along the way. Yeah. I'll admit that. I'll be the first to admit that. But at the same time, it led to this end product. Yep. And I learned from all the stuff. Like I know now how to basically run the business back to front. I'll tell yep. you exactly what you need to do, yeah. how to start it, what all the mistakes and whatnot. Mm. But then um, I don't know. I, don't, I still don't know what made me continue. Like I don't, I don't, at no point, I did, I did get my doubts and I did would sit here for a while at times and be like, okay, I've got to like, stop. Yeah. I want to just like give up yep. like, as everyone does. Like, mm. You know, I'm sure that everyone ever sort of did anything, but mm. in saying that, like it wasn't like, like 99% of the time I just kept going. I was like, yeah, okay, wow. keep going. And I was always able to look at the end product, I guess. I was always excited about the end thing. So mm. yeah. Awesome. Cool. So basically you went from, you know, park to studio to basically a, a shit show for that year. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you get through it? Like, what was the next step? Like, how did you end up, being able to build this sort of facility so yeah so basically from there um i, got, I went to china yeah oh, so you traveled to china yeah to get traveled equipment. to china so oh, one wow. of my dad's mates was um importing exporting so my dad put me up to, put me on to him yeah and then we decided to go to china so i went to china that was that was an experience yeah it was a good experience. Did you enjoy it yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> like, it was good it was nice like, i didn't get like the whole sightseeing stuff i oh, went okay. to um where was it wow I'll get back to you. Like, I'll start out. Shanghai, Beijing. Ah. Yeah. It's a place where everyone goes for like, just like they usually have the trade shows and stuff like that. And they oh, generally, I don't yeah. know where, no but yeah. went there. Long story short, um, I remember I went to a few factories. The guy that I went with had no idea about gym equipment. So ah, okay. that was the first mistake. Yeah. Second mistake, I went basically to all these factories and I was only spending a limited, limited time there. I was only spending like five days there. So I didn't get the chance to actually inspect the equipment as well as I should. Or even look into like, how, like you know, the record of, record of production and stuff like that. So mm. I remember just going to a few of them. The person I ended up choosing, I chose because basically the equipment looked the same as everybody else. Mm. You know, it looked good. And they took me out to lunch. It was like, you know, <laughs> and it was like good Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, awesome. We did that, build a good relationship from there. And I was yeah. like, okay, I can see this guy's like, you know, they're genuine not only that like I can see their their equipment was the same as the next factory yeah pretty much like all the two the same yeah and there was it was pretty much like all copying like life fitness equipment that's what it was uh, it's a mimic okay. of like all life fitness equipment and, yeah. and stuff like that mm. it's like okay awesome I was like I thought I was cheering I was going to spend like you know gym equipment's expensive I mm. thought I was going to kit out this whole gym with like 150k yeah. worth of equipment which is pretty cool yeah. it's not too bad at all yeah. so I had this concept drawn did everything sourced the equipment from there and the reality of it when it came in was it was nothing like what I expected. So the equipment was like trash pretty wow. much. Yeah. yeah. You know, like our bumper plates used to bend. Oh, shit. <laughs> the <bumper laughs> to bend. Even like the cables used to snap. Like wow. it was just like, it was just flimsy equipment. I think the only good thing about, you know, all the equipment that we had was the platforms at the time. Okay. Obviously synthetic grass. We had lots, obviously synthetic grass, but like, yeah, that was a... That was, yeah, that was that an was experience. That was a big like, mistake. Yeah, big mistake. I should have just pretty much used that as capital and um, mm. the money as capital that I'd saved up and just pretty much used it as 
just to pay the fine, like, you know, f- to lease the equipment yep. rather than just sort of just sourcing equipment and then wasting that money, mm. which I could have just used as capital. But it was, yep. it was all a learning experience as well. So yeah. that was another mistake. That yep. sent me back another three years or so. Yeah, right. So that's, yeah. that set you back three years. Yeah, it did. Like what happened, we had, when we first opened up, we had influx of clients coming in. Like, you know, it was like the new thing. Okay, awesome. Breakthrough Fitness. Let's go check it out. A lot of people sign up. And then when the expectation of the place doesn't meet, you know, the expectation, like when the place doesn't meet the expectations of the clients, yeah. you know, it just drops off over time. And I found like as well, the equipment, like a lot of the stuff, a lot of the feedback that we got, you know, awesome facility in the sense like you know, good community vibes, good vibes overall, but your equipment isn't that good. Mm. And I was like, okay, then you had to kind of like build yourself up from there. Yeah. And also you have like, you know, those costs, you have, you know, you have to pay rent, you have to pay your wages, like, you know, and like when that comes into play, it's a lot of money, you know, mm. and you obviously have to deal with all that. And then you have to be able to kind of get yourself back on track so you can be able to kind of refurbish or do what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, right. And so like you had a big influx of clients, you had a big influx of new members, and then they all just sort of dropped off because yeah, dropped off things were just yeah. breaking. Breaking, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I had, tra- I had like five, six treadmills. Yeah. At the end of it, all my treadmills were outside. Like the tra- oh, <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, yeah, like it's just a lot of, yeah, like, a lot of wastage mm. looking back at it mm. and it's not like you can call someone to service it like I called someone to service it I had no idea like we don't know yeah right so it's not like yeah. life fitness where yeah, like yeah. someone comes through yeah. and they just they know the machine it's exactly it's yeah. like you know the equipment that's just been put together in China so like yeah not saying anything bad about it like you, most of the equipment does get you know sourced from there mm. but it's just having those people that have sourced the equipment have had years on years on years on years yeah. of experience sourcing that equipment so all the yeah. equipment that they're going to get is you know reliable yeah yeah right and so that set you back three years so you had to wait three years just to like build capital back up again so yeah. you could buy new equipment yeah so I started so we had a little MM, like we tried doing a whole like kickboxing thing oh really yeah so yeah. one of my friends at the time Yup um, basically um, was looking for some extra work yep. and looking to be sponsored as well so he was from Netherlands so mm. he wanted to get sponsored so we worked out out used to be there in the, where the weightlifting area is yeah. right now mm. and used to go across that way during the, for the CrossFit area yeah. and we tried that out um, we literally then bought the rack that's over there that was the next step and we kind of had a, like, a massive rack all the way down we also bought bought another we got rid of the racks in the back and we bought another rack this way yeah. which was against this wall Yeah, we tried like you know like every point or every like little like you know step down, yeah. I was yeah. like okay let's try this let's yeah. try that let's try this let's do this it's yeah. just like you know, we knew, like, at the time I knew that it wasn't working. So I had to kind of find a way to make it work. And it was based on the fact of what was happening or what was going really good. Mm. Rather than yeah. sitting back and saying, okay, stop for a second. Yeah. Let's try to get it perfect. Yeah. So it was always just like, okay, let's try this now. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that works. Let's keep that. And let's add something else. And it was sort of like building blocks to get to where you want to be. Yeah, awesome. So it wasn't really a point where I was like, all right, sit down, like, wipe everything out, bring everything back in. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Because I remember when I first came, that would have been... Mm, June or June last year or just before June last before year June, yeah. before the, the lockdown and like this place was right in the middle of like renovations yeah. like right before you got the motors and stuff like that and so like personally when I walked in I was like this place is a bit of a mess <laughs> <laughs> I was like this place is a bit messy but I'm like alright I'll just like Beth was saying really awesome stuff about like yeah we've got all this new equipment coming in they've got, you've got like 10 combo racks coming, yeah. coming in and I was like I'll just stick around and see what happens yeah. and so I'm really glad I did stay <laughs> yeah so awesome and then yeah, like, I mean, we're in this space now. I think after this, like, after the podcast, I'm going to just, like, have a quick pan around the camera so yeah. that people can see um, when I upload this. But, yeah, like, how did how did you get to 
10 combo racks, five monoliths, all these platforms and yeah. stuff like that. So it was like, I think it was this, not last year, but the year before. And that's when Beth was working and Beth came on. And I was, um, obviously I started getting into powerlifting. So I was doing it more as like, I've never competed with anything like that, but I was doing it more sort of for, it was more, it gave me sort of that mental edge, mm. I guess, to kind of like see things in like step by step like yep. you know incrementally going up every week in your way mm. like goes a long way in sort of seeing okay i've progressed this far mm. and then um uh, when beth came on board um you know i saw like some positive changes in in like people doing that as well okay and then i remember at the time i was like i walked over to beth and i told her and i go to her and i still like remember like some of the people's like sort of expressions when i said to them yep we're gonna have this space yep we're gonna have you know um this many um, combos. Yeah. I remember getting the bill from Goliath and sending it over to Beth and she's like, saw the bill and she's like, wow, so you're gonna be spending that much money, you have that much faith in that the fact in me yeah. and you have that much faith in the fact that this is what it's gonna be. Yeah. So I remember when we did that, um, yeah, it was like sort of the stepping stone to like, okay, all right, let's do it. Mm. And then, yeah. How, how did like, you convince Beth to come over to here? Because at that time, you didn't have that much of a powerlifting space. No, to start you didn't. With, right? and you know what's funny about it? Like, even looking at like our first comp, yeah, we didn't have a powerlifting space. And even when we went out and said, "Okay, we're going to run," you know, breakthrough battlegrounds and invite yeah. only, we didn't have a powerlifting space. Yeah, right. And it was like, yeah, it was just a, again, it's just like sort of setting the standard mm. where you want to be, yeah, and then working towards it. Yeah, um, convincing Beth was, um, I don't know, just like. I remember being told by um, Dan, Daniel uh, Vong, he pretty much told me about that, you know, Beth was looking for work. Mm. And he told me some good stuff about her. Yep. And I trust Daniel. Like Dan, Dan Vong, like, you know, he's like, he knows his stuff. Yeah. You know, I've, I've used to work here. I have a lot of respect for him. Mm. So when he does recommend people to me, yeah. like, you know, I pretty much, you know, go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just spoke to her. We got along really well. She's very respectful. Yeah. I think she admired the fact that I was like that as well and, like, you know, caring and whatnot. Mm. So she saw like, you know, potential in this space. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like, I was able to kind of sell it to her, but I guess that's a conversation we need to have with her and ask her why yeah. she came on board. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think she, I think she mentioned it in our podcast, like uh, the podcast that I had with her. She did talk about her side of the story about how she went from where she was working before to here. So if you want to check that out, Go check out the podcast with Beth. <laughs> yeah, so it's awesome. So then you brought Beth along. You basically like, I guess you sold your vision to her yeah. um, and to other people in this um, in this like sort of community or this space. Um, I'm assuming you had a lot of setbacks or like not setbacks, but a lot of resistance. Yeah, did obviously yeah, for sure. You're gonna get a lot of people always sort of um, obviously saying that you can't have this many, you know, monoliths. For example, <laughs> I think the other week, a funny thing about it all. Every piece of equipment here was getting used. Yeah. All the monoliths were getting used. I think that used. was Monday night, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 And they were all getting used. And I was like, awesome. Yeah. I wish I could take a photo of it right now and just be like, okay, post it up or, or whatnot. But yeah. then I, looking back at it, it's like, you know, like you kind of, I realized over time, and this has been a journey of 10 years. Mm. At first, I was always asking everyone, so every Tom, Dick and Harry about their opinion on things. Yeah. yeah. And when I realized over time, is stop asking people or stop involving people. Only yeah. ask specialists. Right. So if you want business advice, go see a business consultant. You know, don't go and speak to like, you know, this member that just walked in. Yeah, the yeah just walked in. Oh, you should try doing this. Like yeah. everyone used to give their feedback. Every, uh, like uh, <laughs> every person. You're about to drop F bomb. Yeah, yeah. Every person <laughs> used to give me feedback in regards to what I should do with my business. Yeah. 
and they used to irritate me a lot one obviously they didn't know what was going on like what was happening behind the scenes they don't understand the whole picture of things I don't know how much money's coming into the account I was going to say as well I don't think a lot of people understand how much money goes out when you yeah. run a gym like people just think oh people pay you membership yeah, yeah. and like you're fine yeah, like, it doesn't think, work like yeah, that yeah, no. I think everyone thinks I'm like a millionaire right yeah. now it's like yeah, George, mate, nah, it's not like that at all like you're paying so many bills but it's not for that if you really wanted to like go out there and like honestly like make a lot of money like I even had a chat with like Sebastian or once about it and it's funny like if you want to make money mm. yeah, you don't own a gym like yeah. you can't owning a gym isn't going to make you a lot of money it's just a, I, I just enjoy this I enjoy this space like yeah. I enjoy the place I enjoy seeing people happy I enjoy 100%. all that stuff that's yeah. the reason why you can still make money off it I'm mm. not saying you can't you can also obviously make money you can make anything mm. but it's about like obviously like sort of understanding that if you really want to make some serious money you need to be able to like use this money to invest in other things yeah. to make serious money Correct. and mm. you do this just for like the fact that you know for a fact you're you know you have a space with like-minded people mm. and everyone's sort of like you know everyone's nice yep. everyone's sort of you know achieving things together mm. it's, which mm. is a, which we spoke about earlier it's a surreal surreal feeling so. yeah. yeah yeah so this build now that we're in in this whole powerlifting space yeah. um, I remember the whole Renaults and stuff it was crazy like yeah. we laid this concrete down I'm pretty sure my name's on one of these <laughs> slabs of concrete um, are you willing to discuss like how much this build costs or? yeah it's like um, so honestly with all the mistakes and everything in general I say uh, minus the mistakes I reckon the CrossFit area fit out just there's about 70k yep about 70k yep about 30k 30 to 40k reception the powerlifting area is about like so $140,000 or $150,000. Okay, yeah. It's not too bad, I guess. Um, then you've got... Not too bad, I guess. It's, it's not that bad. <laughs> then you've got the back area. The back area itself is about three, three fifty. dollars wow. So three, yeah, $350,000. Yeah. And that's not including like, you know, like... I guess not including like all the fixtures, like the concreting, you know, mm. the matting, yeah. you know, the painting, yeah. all that stuff. That's just equipment alone. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's like, but in saying all that, it's not, I don't never really looked at it from a business perspective. I've never looked at it and been like, okay, I want to, I need to make sure like I allocate this cost. It was all, all right, like looking around here, like 10 combos isn't looking at it from a business perspective. Like mm. you could have got away with five, for example. Yeah. But it was always more like to have that X factor of what I want my gym to look like. Mm. I wanted it to be a space where like, I can say I have 10 combos. Yeah. Say, <laughs> allow, like, be like, oh, wow. Like, have yeah. that wow factor, have those five monoliths. Like, yeah. So, I always intended to kind of have a space where it was like that. And I think the way you operate from what I've seen is that like you, like you even said it before, you set the standard and then you find a way to get to there. Yeah. Like it's not like you set a budget and you're like, okay, well with this budget, I can buy this. It's more like I want this and yeah. I'm going to work to get to where I want to be. Yeah. yeah. Which I really respect. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. And then, um, yeah, I mean with, with this space now, is this like your dream gym? Yeah, it is my, it is now yeah, my yep. dream gym. Yep. Um, yeah, it's like one of the spaces I sort of want to now replicate. Like, I want to be able to replicate it. Like, over the next couple of years, you know, I have goals of actually setting something up like this elsewhere this year. Yeah. That's my goal at the moment. And, like, yep. you know, I want to try to do that and, yeah, achieve it. So, yeah, so it's exciting. Like, I've done, I've had those mistakes, you know. I've mm. done all the mistakes. I know exactly what I need to do for the next gym. Yeah. You know, it'd be easy just, like, replicating it won't be too hard. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's going to come with more challenges of operating, operating more than one place, but... I'm willing to do that. So. Mm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think last year you mentioned something like 1 of 38. One, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. 1 of 32. Oh, 1, 1 of 32, 32 sorry. Yeah, 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 ye
My favorite number is 23, so I used the reciprocal of it. I was like, oh, 32. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I did that. When did I say that? I said that when I was back in the park. Um, yeah, it was back in the park about, yeah, like two years in. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to have 32 of these gyms. Yeah, right. And I was like, yeah, my dream. And I was like, okay. Then visiting it this last year, I was like, obviously seeing the space happen. I was like, yeah, it's on. Yeah. One, of, one of 32 and I sort yeah. of set it as that I'm like okay I'm going to make sure that we get to that yeah and so um, like your dreams to have 32 of these gyms 32 of these gyms around yeah. so that would be my dream yeah obviously setting the standards high yeah you know people will probably look at it like listen to me like ah oh, yeah like a little bit of doubt and whatnot yeah. but again like you've got to back yourself yeah. you've got to say set the standards high and just work yeah. towards it but that was the same thing that people were saying or thinking like 10 years ago when you were saying that you wanted to open this gym yeah. and like Look where you are now. Yeah. Like, where the haters at, bro? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. And so with, like, this whole idea of beers, from what I thought, I thought that... Did you turn 32 last year? I turned 32 last year. I thought that it was... I'm 33 now, so I turned... Sorry, the year before. I keep forgetting. The oh, whole COVID okay. thing stuff, yeah. everything up. <laughs> I thought like, because yeah. you achieved your dream gym when you were 32, now you want, like, 32 gyms. Yeah. Like, 32 of Yeah, I was 32 gyms. when I achieved my dream yeah. gym. Yeah, it makes a bit of sense. So that sort of makes sense, too. Yeah, it does actually so maybe, make sense. Maybe say that. Yeah. That was, that was <laughs> cut, cut the last part Cut the last part <laughs> <laughs> No, awesome. And I think, um, yeah, like, with, with your whole plans moving forward, obviously, like, you want to expand. Are there any other things in mind that you are looking to do? Like, obviously, you're now running competitions. You're affiliated with, um, uh, what was WRPF. WRPF, that's right. Um, yeah, what else do you have on your sort of list? Obviously, we want to sort of run like run those competitions here, and we've done a really good job at doing so. Like, so, you know, we've only ran two competitions, and then we obviously have the September one, which is going to be the invite only, which we want to send invites very soon. In regards yep. to that, I have the best lifters in Australia. Yep. Um, come down here and, and, and do that. I'd love to have one day have the best lifters in the world come come mm. to this event and do so. Mm-hmm. That'll be like surreal. I mm. think that'll be really good for the powerlifting community in Australia. Obviously, want to have a good powerlifting space in the sense not only just the space itself, but it always work towards have quality coaching in here and be known for that. Um, also, want to like you know a lot of people obviously take away now the fact that we have a good CrossFit space as well. Yep. We do have that. We do have a fun- good functional fitness space and some good coaches. I want to obviously build that up as well in the next couple of years mm. and be known for our coaching, whether it's our CrossFit, whether it's weightlifting, whether it's powerlifting, you know, any, mm. any type of strength conditioning, whether working with athletes or working with in rehab. Be known as a center that with good quality coaches um, work helping their clients achieve their goals and being known for that. Like for me, key has always been movement. I really enjoy seeing people move really well, and I, I I've always been like a massive, say like a hate on in the sense that when I see coaches like coaching in a way where it's sort of detrimental to that person's like well being, right. like where they're not moving as well. Like, yeah, right. I hate that. Like, mm. I've always been passionate about the fact that I want to see people move really well. Like, I'm, and help people move better. Yeah. yeah. And just seeing them just over time improve. And then I feel like in our industry, we do have a lot of cheerleaders. Like, there's nothing wrong with cheer, like cheering people on. There's a, being a coach, you need to be able to like really motivate your clients and cheer mm. them on and make them realize how good they're progressing, mm. which, which is very important to keep them. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of people in the industry for the wrong reasons and they're not in there to you know, ensuring quality movement. And that's yeah. what I want Breakthrough to be known as. And then hopefully also one day get into like, as we get like sort of build that reputation, get into like online coaching and give another source of income for our client, for our coaches and mm. then move from there. And then, yeah, just to be able to sort of like, again, like the big thing is to, to have this facility as a shell for like a like-minded coaches to go in, whether, you know, it's not so much about, I don't want to have everyone on the same page in terms of like, 
everyone teaching the same thing but if someone can tell me why right. they're teaching that mm. okay and they can give me a specific like a lot of people like I find a lot of the young coaches like coming up I kind of have that mentality I was one of them I have that mentality where it's like okay I want to be that coach like they always like kind of like hating on the next coach and saying oh why is this person doing that or why is that person doing that mm. but if someone can come to me and tell me give me an honest reason why yeah. and it makes sense from like a scientific or like from a movement perspective mm. I'm like okay no worries yes. you know why at least whereas mm. like a lot of people in the industry right now are just doing things but they're doing it and they have no idea why they're doing it yeah and I think the other thing is like some coaches they just sort of like see someone see another coach do it or see another coach practice XYZ and then they they sort of replicate that without yeah. really understanding why they do that in the first place and so for me as a coach and as a personal trainer, like I always, whenever I see something interesting, I go, okay, this coach is doing whatever with their client. I like to understand like why. I want to try to figure out you know, why are they doing that in the first place? How is it impacting them? And then then go, okay, like that makes sense. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, I like this or I don't like this yeah. for whatever reason. It's really important to yeah. do so. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, I said before, like, uh, it's just like, that's the one thing that I want to sort of, get breakthrough to be known as like yeah. you know, facility, if I'm going to have 32 of these facilities I don't want it to just be uh, just for the sake of having 32 facilities mm. it's not about that it's also there's a holistic thing to it it's like I want to be known as having 32 facilities where people you know train properly yep. this is the place where you come and you know you move well like yeah. my dream like I had a really serious injury when I was 18 like right. 18, 19 and then it led to a serious injury when I was 26 25 right. and that took me out of training altogether <laughs> Like, I got into the gym and I got in there. I remember putting like 100 kilos on the bar. First time ever squatting. Mm. And I got, went and squatted and then like literally, like, you know, bulging disc straight after that. Really? And then after, when I was 25, that obviously led to that. But if I was able to move on, I think Australia's missing that. Mm. Like, you know, you look at other countries, they've got gym. Yeah. You know, they've got gym classes or whatnot. And yeah. when, during high school, we don't have that. Mm. So, like, my dream is to be able to facilitate, have proper facility for you know, for people to get access to. Like, I love seeing kids come through here and do a, coach, a class, for yeah. example. Mm. Love seeing that because I know that that's going to have a massive impact on the person. That's going to have a massive impact on the person and, like, they're like, probably going to miss, like, they, like, what training's done for me is, like, changed my whole entire life. Yeah. Like, you know, I want that to be the case and not for them to get injured and be like, okay, no, nah, I can't do it. Yeah. Come say hi, Pasha. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Pasha, everyone. Uh, Pasha, say hi. Didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, you didn't interrupt. It's I thought you coming, but it's right. Coming here. That's right. Oh, chat. Yeah. This is Pasha. Follow him on uh, Instagram. What's your Instagram, Pasha? Pasha.pt. There you go. All right. You can leave now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. And uh, uh, the thing I want to move on to next, just to wrap everything up, is the values that you really uphold now, given everything that you sort of went through, all your experiences, your upbringing, making all these mistakes... What do you think are really core values to you now that you will hold on to? Yeah. I guess maybe for the, re- I mean, right now, like what are the, what are the core, core values? values? Yeah. Honestly, like if you got to really, really, really care. Yeah. Like if you don't care, if you aren't, that's one of the like, probably most important things. You got to really care about what you do. Um, if you find that you basically don't love what you do. And there were times, there were, honest, there was times, like I would admit it, like there were times where like I sort of, fell off that and I sort of didn't really care as much whereas like you know I got demotivated because I just things weren't going my way mm. and then when I found myself caring about what I'm doing 
naturally that brought that love back for mm. me to kind of push on. And a lot of things did happen along the way where basically were outside of my controls or more mental health um, issues and things like that. And that sort of put me in a dark place. And the funny thing about it all and looking back at it is like training was, I was able through training to kind of mm. get past that. Mm-hmm. Um, caring is one, I guess being consistent, like having that drive and being, like having the drive and being consistent is two different things. Like it's kind of like, all right, you know, you can be motivated for that split second. Yep. Like I can put some motivational video right now, I'm like amped up, I'm like getting ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. two minutes later, and especially with all my mental health issues along the way, mm. um, you know, that could quickly disappear. You can quickly yeah. start thinking otherwise and, you know, and obviously being your worst enemy. But um, I guess being consistent and having some sort of routine is like really, really important. Mm. And then also understanding that, last but not least, like you got to kind of, be very grateful like being grateful in that yeah, in gratitude. the moment yeah just practicing gratitude like being grateful like you know having a chat to you right now and being able to sort of tell my story yeah or like you know being grateful you know in the next minute or also you know hanging out you know with certain um certain coaches or whatnot mm. that you might not be able to like last night i was like at dinner and i was like okay looking around i'm like i haven't been out with all, all yeah. these staff before yeah and it's probably where we will be when we one of the last times i can hang out hang out with them all together. Yeah. Because we've had, obviously, you, you go through your phases of different coaches, different staff members and whatnot. Mm. And you, if you don't practice gratitude and like in the in the essence, like you don't really practice it, you just find yourself like kind of not really appreciating the moment and always wanting more. Yeah. And, that, and never being grateful for the mm. fact and that what you have at the moment. So yeah. they're kind of like the ones that really stood yeah. out for me. No, I, I think gratitude is a big thing for me as well, especially when you're someone who really has those like big goals and those high expectations. Like you're always working towards something, but what a lot of people tend to forget is that they, they don't really sit back and go, holy shit, like I've been able to achieve so much and I'm so grateful to have been given the opportunity to be able to work to, like to get to where I am now. Yeah. Like for me, I'm so grateful that I get the opportunity to be, even be in this space talking to you right now. Like I could have easily just been at home sleeping, yeah, you know, on a Sunday morning exactly. at 9 a.m. Um, and there's this one thing that I like to do with another one of my friends, Lisa. Um, yeah. um, her Instagram's at Swarmop if you want to <laughs> check her out and follow her. Um, we do this thing where like, we ask each other, like, oh, what are three things that you're grateful for today? And so, yeah, what are three things you're grateful for today? Today, honestly, like, being able to get out of bed, for example, and knowing that I can fully function. Yeah. Having a beautiful family, like, you know, I was getting up, got up in the morning, saw my mum and dad, and I'm awesome. for that. And then, yeah. like, Obviously, like having this chat with you today, and you know, coming into this facility and knowing that you know, um, having this space where I can actually like change people's lives, I'm mm. very grateful for that. And I think with the gym as well, like it's very different to personal training. Where personal training, when you do like one on one, obviously, like you have a direct impact on their their lives, and you can see that sort of change. But when you have a gym, you can eat like you you can increase that impact by so much because yeah. you've got all these people coming through now, and because they're able to use your facility they're changing their lives through their training. And so, yeah, I think that's really awesome. That, that's honestly one of my goals as well, just increase my impact on people. Yeah. Ever since I started as a trainer, I was like, how do I, how do, I do more? How do I impact more people's lives? How do I make things better for more people? And um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So you mentioned basically like things with about your mental health yeah. and stuff over the years. Um, could you touch briefly on that? And just, yeah. yeah. So, um, growing up, obviously I was, I was a nerd. I was, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was a nerd. Like, um, probably from, I think my first friend was in U4. So I was wow. pretty much, yeah, like I was just the one of those kids. Like, yeah, you know, it was just very But was it because you were comfortable by being yourself or you just couldn't make friends? I think it was a bit of both, okay. to tell you the truth. Like, obviously, like, I was comfortable with my, 
my sister, my brother growing up and stuff like that and having cousins and whatnot. But mm. at school, didn't make any friends. So up to year four, I remember just coming here, coming to Australia. When I did come here. That was the first time. Simon Mazri was my first, my first friend, my yeah. first real mate. Yeah. And then pretty much just like, even growing there up until year, year 10, I only had a handful of mates. Like I had a handful, like, you know, a couple. And I was into my books. I was into studying. Like, even my friends are from school will probably tell you if you've actually had a chat with them like George was the last person you'd expect to own a gym like, wow I wasn't, yeah, really? I wasn't yeah I was I was like really into my sports and stuff like that I touched on, touched on to that mm. but um, yeah it was only until year 10 that it became a bit more social yep and then um, I remember I got my first haircut a proper haircut and I pulled contacts on so he's wear glasses before and I walked into the wait do you wear contacts now? yeah wear contacts oh really? Yeah. I had no idea yeah. so you, you have to wear glasses you have to wear glasses yeah ah. I'm, pretty, I'm blind like, like minus 9 degrees oh wow eyes, yeah. okay yeah so um, I walked into I walked into the playground. Like went to the school. I was going there since year four. So mm. it's like it goes from like primary to high school. Yeah. And one of the guys comes over uh, from the grade above. He goes, "You're new. Come hang out with us." <laughs> I'm like, no, I've been here. So all you did was <laughs> put contacts on and get a haircut. Yeah. It's like, okay, come hang out with us. And I'm like, oh nah, I've been here forever. Like you know. Yeah. And then it was like pretty much because of that, I found that I was a bit more confident. Right. That bit of confidence made me allowed me to kind of actually talk to more people and make more friends. Then I sort of got really lost in that. But what happened, because I didn't have a good base, I think, I just sort of suffered a lot of like anxiety that came with it. Like, mm. I was very anxious. Like, I would get into a room in class, start, just out of nowhere, I don't know how this happened. But I just sort of started like, I would hear voices of people talking about me, where right. like someone would be murmuring to their friend about something. Yeah. But I would automatically assume they're talking something about me, right. like saying something like, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And it became sort of like, very 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 evident like in like it came occurring it was recurring in, in like everywhere whether I was going to church or you know or there was going in a group environment anywhere I just found myself very uncomfortable because I thought people were talking about me but they weren't like they were just generally like talking to their mate yeah so I just get in my head a lot so that led to like obviously me being really depressed like I remember like you know I spend most of my time in in, in the toilets for example Right. Go out in class, get down to the toilet, spend a bit of time there, get myself together, get back up and so forth. Yeah. So I did that for a bit and then like, you know, I was, I was, I went through a state of depression during that time. Mm. Obviously having that anxiety. And this was during high school? During high school, yeah. yeah. And then um, I found myself, obviously like back then with like, you know, mental health, it wasn't as spoken about yeah, as, as it is now, which is awesome. You know, mm. people speak about it more, people are open about it and talk about it. Like I only, I only came out with my story, like I think I told my parents, like my whole family was like, Literally October last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's just relatively new. Yeah. So after that, I found myself, obviously with the whole social anxiety and, and being depressed, I just didn't want to live. Like, I had suicidal thoughts. Right. Tried to. Tried to at the age of 16 yeah. to do so. Wow. And then um, sort of, I was more of a, I didn't do it because I was just too scared to do it. Mm. You know, more than anything else. Yeah. I think you know, people look at like, you know, people that, you know, that go that commit suicide like as being cowards and whatnot but they're not they're just like literally to do that to end your life it takes a takes lot of a lot. guts to do that you know yeah. you're gonna do it and you're going in with the intention of doing something it's easy to harm someone else it's not it's not easy to harm yourself mm. you know and those people that do so there's a lot of things that drives them to do that you know yeah. there's a lot of things that they're going through mm. that a lot of people don't know about so when I was 18 you just kept sorry sorry but while you're going through that phase like no one knew about it no one knew about it no so like, you just didn't like being a Lebanese family I think um, we never really spoke about it. Like we never spoke about that sort of stuff. Like yeah. you know, if you were anxious or whatever, it's like 
whatnot. Like it's not like anything important. Mm. Like even when I speak to some Lebanese families now, yeah, they disregard anxiety and depression. It's nothing. Like it's like whatever. Who cares? Nothing. It's not really a thing. Mm. Mm. Um, so when when I was eighteen. I obviously, I had to go to uni. So going to uni, you had to catch public, like I had to catch public transport. I was still didn't have a car. Yeah. So I'd get on the bus and I'd drip and sweat. Because you were just so anxious. So anxious, yeah. Wow. So, and then the same thing would happen on the on the train. Like I, yeah, it took me a while to get over it. Like it mm. took me a while to get over that stuff. And I'm going from, I'll go and jump on the train at Maryland, get off at Granville, get back on, go get off at Auckland. Get back off. Get get back on. Get right. on to Lidcombe and so forth. Dude. Yeah. Start at seven. Get there at nine. Wow. So it take me a long time just to keep getting. I had to keep getting off. Like, yeah. um, obviously the social anxiety was like huge. Mm. But then I was able to obviously. I think it took one. You know, my mum. My mum was like had a massive impact on me. She came one time with me to uni, and then having her there, sort of just had made me feel at peace. Yeah. Had sort of that really like good experience, and I just sort of let go of it. Mm. But it was only up until like. Um, this is gonna sound a bit wacky and stuff like that. Like, right. Let's mention it. But this this actually led to my obsession over breakthrough. So I think it's, that's very important to share. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I started at 21. I went out with one girl. Yeah. So I'm um, going out. Was going out with her for like six months or so. Yeah. And she had the obsession with the number 72. So I was like, okay, all right. I was like, you know, who cares? It's just a number. She goes, I see it everywhere. I'm like, all right, no worries. It's just a number. I yeah. thought she was an idiot. It's like. Or don't worry about it why okay. I was I, she was my first girlfriend so I really fell for her like I literally just ah, I fell okay. head over heels for yeah. her young love um, so uh, pretty much then I was getting a bit of because I gave a bit of anxiety because she was starting to talk to her ex-boyfriend at the time right so as she was talking to her ex-boyfriend they didn't they didn't end things on bad terms they ended things because his mum didn't like her right. so okay. they would still have contact and, whatnot. and like you know and for me that was like how could you do that? Like, I'm like, how could you? <laughs> so yeah. I started using numbers to kind of tell me that things are fine. Like that right. things are fine. So I'd use the numbers 72 and 27. So yep. there's a number, 72, and then there'll be 27 would be reciprocal of 72. So one would be yes, the other one would be no. Right. So I'm like, okay, I'll be say in the car, you see number plates everywhere. Yep. Yeah. So I'll be dri- like we're driving around my mates and whatnot and then like I'll be looking for these numbers and like okay 72 says yes 27 means no wow and then 14 to 41 that was the next thing with her then with the next girl I was just talking to these, obviously talking to know girls and whatnot yep um, they, with each of the girls I got to know and num- two numbers would come up to the 61 16 or like you know 78 and 87 yeah wow so that was all happening as I was about to start breakthrough yep and one time I was at fitness first. I pulled out the calendar, put the calendar to the I remember you telling yeah. this. This story is whack, yeah, man. This so story is crazy. I don't know. I was subconsciously doing this, yeah. you know? So I kind of like went and circled the day that I literally started dating my ex-girlfriend. Went over. Yeah. 72 days later, we had our first fight. 27 days later, we broke up. We didn't talk for 14 days. Then 41 days, we stayed. Like we made up on the fourth, on that day, 14th day. Yeah. We stayed together for 41 days. Same thing would happen to every single girl. I remember calling my best mate at the time, Anthony Greg, and I'm like, Anthony... We need to get doctors. I need to go see a doctor <laughs> yeah. in regards to that. So yeah. what generally happened was like, okay, we went there. I went to the doctors. They pretty much put me on to psychiatrist. Psychiatrist said I had OCD with numbers, long story short. But as he was doing that, so as he was diagnosing me, he was having cake. I'm like, I'm pouring my heart out. <laughs> this guy is a gross treat, Parramatta. I don't mention his name. But he's having cake as he's literally like, like, diagnosing me. He just wrote me a script. He have some, have some... Had some drugs. Lexapro was what I had to take. Yeah. So I went home 
went and got the uh, Lexapro medication yep. and then basically decided, okay, I'm going to start taking it. Yeah. Two days in, one of my clients at the time, he was, um, he was, he was basically, he noticed my change in mood. He right. He to me, guess to me what's wrong. I told him it was, I don't know if it was the medication or it was the fact that I was just depressed the fact that knowing that, you know, this thing was like really stuffing me up because like the numbers thing, like I couldn't go anywhere without like looking and it was tiring, like looking for those numbers, like, and they'll right. pop into my face. Like I'd be at a, a set of lights and like four cars in front of me would be 21. I'm like, Fuck, like, like, <laughs> what are the chances of having four cars in a row with the same so that it would constantly like without you even looking for it or were yeah. you actively without looking, even for, looking it? for it yeah and it got right. to the stage as well like one of my mates like johnny dang would back me back you up back me up on this like he pretty much like at fitness first i picked football scores yeah i picked football scores and literally like the numbers like how many points this team's gonna win by he yeah. won 10 grand i remember like the time when he won really? 10 grand he came over and gave me 100 bucks to say thank you wow. and then um yeah it was like it was like freaky at the time but my yeah. mate the, my client at the time said to me you know what George what are you trying doing it without it you know it's going to change your mood don't do it like I've had experiences with my friends like you know they've taken it like without the meds yeah. Mean, yeah so I was like okay no worries and then what I noticed then I shifted my obsession for numbers to my business and right. I really like people would tell you like my life my whole life revolves around breakthrough it does like my whole life <laughs> does revolve around breakthrough yeah. everything I talk about when I'm out like if you want to get me talking talk about training or talk about breakthrough yeah. in general <laughs> And I'll start talking. Yeah. So that generally happened and that kept me sort of like not seeing those numbers for that time, but I didn't realize the long-term effect of like suppressing those things, suppressing okay. those feelings. And then obviously being obsessed over this, it came, although it wasn't, I thought it was healthy by helping a lot of people and stuff like that. Mm. It was unhealthy in a way. Okay. So along the way, what basically happened was like, you know, then the suicidal thoughts came up. Right. Again. So as things went on, all those difficult situations I spoke about in the past in regards to all those things, like, you know, every little hurdle that I'll have, mm. I found myself, like, you know, constantly dwelling on suicidal thoughts right. over and over and over again. Yeah. So, so that starts to come back when you're training people again. Yeah, and yeah. I was training people. and Just every setback that I had, like, if I had a setback, whether, like, this gym, for example, right. you know, um, there was a lot of setbacks. And then I found, like, you know, just this, like, it was, honestly, it was a lot of it was uh, not being grateful for the things that we we have in the moment and mm. then yeah like there was a couple of times like you know you know it's like a big moment was three years ago three years ago business was at its worst you know obviously we didn't have the space like this this facility itself like i had just made a lot of mistakes and i was like okay shit like i've got to like i spoke to my coach at the time i just started off with him and like, i was like six months into it i'm like i think i have to sell the business and then i spoke to my one of my friends and i'm like I'm going to have to sell the business. Wow. I'm going to have to sell it. Yeah. And that was like really hard on me. Like, you know, that was like seven years of my life and I'm like, okay, mm. that's it. Yeah. I failed. Yeah. And for me, like failing is like, obviously it's a big thing. Like, you know, I've always grown up like, you know, having those high expectations and whatnot. And I remember like, you know, with my ex, I was like, she was sitting in one room, in, in the bedroom. I was sleeping while I was in the other room. And I was ready. That's it. It was done. Wow. I was like, that's, that's it. It's gonna. So you're of, ready to sell. I was ready to sell, and I was ready. And I spoke to my mate in the morning. We're ready to sell, but at that time, I was ready. That's it. That was the end of my life. I was like, okay, stop there. Yeah. I'm not gonna. That's it. I'm not gonna live anymore. And that's it. I was ready to take my own life. It's like, I'm not gonna go into detail about it, but that that was that was it. Mm. And the the sad thing about it, when you come to think about it, is that no one really knew. Yeah. Like family had no idea. You know, my ex had no idea. So even your partner that you were living with at that time had no idea. No idea. Wow. 
you know and that's one of those things and even when I spoke to my mum about it like when I up to, up to my mum about it in October she's like she knew then and then she's like I always knew you were fighting something but we didn't really like you were fighting on your own but we didn't really know like you just didn't really know and that was and that was one thing like I realised and then like the turning point was then I was like and like I'm thankful for the fact of certain people that I had in my life like you know having Cameron in my life as well during that time was like you know really beneficial in the sense Cameron your coach right yep um, yeah it was like very beneficial in the sense he showed like you know he was he was able to allow me to kind of like give me that confidence that's why it's really important that's why our jobs are so important like mm. if, when we give confidence to our clients mm. if we give them that bit of confidence and make them feel that self worth mm. you know for me it was through lifting you know going up that little bit extra, extra every single time you know I used to post videos on Instagram for my own self like I wasn't posting it up for anyone just so I could see a record like I'd sit there on, at night and just like look at my videos for the next morning so I can know exactly how to what to do differently and whatnot. not yep. yep. but seeing all that like those little increment little small changes along the way it was like small okay, wins yeah small wins it was like yeah. okay that's enough for me to kind of push on yeah and like I think the biggest that was one of the turning points but the biggest turning point for me and that was like was like April this year last year and I was able to kind of like realise there and then and that is funny that this space came about after I kind of had that switch mm. and I was able to realise and that was like after Breakthrough Battlegrounds was like a very dark moment for me Right. And I realized that then and there, like, even then, like, people would not have expected that, you know, anything was going on. Yeah. And then I was able to kind of realize then and then I was in control of my own life. And I, the whole time I felt trapped. I felt trapped in the sense that I couldn't escape things. I couldn't make myself happy or couldn't do any of that stuff. But I kind of came to the realization that I could actually do all that stuff and do more. And that was like, through, like, really sitting down and understanding things. And, like, one of the things that really clicked as well was with, um, when I used to speak, like, during lockdown would come in here and train I'll come in and train and then like Ishmael would come in and train Alex you know doing some rehab stuff for Alex God is strong and I was speaking to him and really understanding it from another perspective as well and how it feels to kind of be in that sort of space and to understand like your self-worth and understand that you know taking your own life is like or doing anything stupid Mm. in that sense it only sort of it's going to impact those people but their lives are going to go on whereas like with mine it's going to end there and then Mm. So that impact I'm going to have on people, I'll have on myself, it's just going to end. Yeah. So it's not going to lead to anything else. Like everyone would, the reality of it, people are just going to move on. Like, yeah. you know, life goes on. But, yeah. you know, having those thoughts and doing those things and thinking like that and that mindset. So it's, it's detrimental for you and it's not going to have a positive experience or positive impact on other people. And mm. I'm glad that I basically then I was able to reach out and say, okay, all right, I'm going to go see a psychologist. Yeah. Go see that. And like, I'm regularly seeing a psychologist now. And then, it's great. Yeah. Doing all those things and like, even having like, obviously, chats with positive people. Mm. It was a massive change in my life. You know, even though I had that massive change in my life, I was able to kind of then be like, okay, nah, it's good. It's yeah. I need to see the positives in everything that I'm doing. I need to make sure that I think of me and me first. And I kind of put myself in a situation as well, like, you know, I'm being the best version of myself so that mm. I can have an impact on others. So, yeah, yeah that was my story in a nutshell and like going back to it like I think a lot of it wouldn't have been possible without having this space you know because this space was allowed me to actually meet those people yeah or having this space as well as giving that sort of fulfillment in the sense that Mm. when you change people's lives it's like gives you that sort of meaning to it so yeah yeah. no that's that's a crazy story yeah yeah and this this is all like recent developments as well right yeah so like like, I'm like you know looking back at it like since April I've a totally different person like I know that like the way my outlook on life is different mm. the way I see things the way uh, the way I talk to people like I'm more engaged as, as 
compared to before. Yeah. Whereas before I'd be talking to someone and I'm like, okay, thinking about like 10 different things at once. Right. So I wasn't really present. Now I'm finding myself more present. So yeah, yeah it's, it's like, but then there's always that need to have a constant development. Like you need to, I think like everyone needs to kind of sit down for a bit and in their thoughts and be like, okay, what can I do to actually improve myself? Yeah. So like training, I guess, like, you know, you go there and you're trying to increase that weight weekly or like, mm. you know, or try to get like a better time in your, your workouts. Yeah. And whatnot. And I think that's what I find in training as well, where, like, it gives me that, the sensation or that feeling of, like, I, I'm doing better every single session. Like, yeah. I'm being a better version of myself every single yeah. session. And that just keeps me going. Like, it's just, that's, that's what I think, that's why I think everyone should train. Not just because it helps you get, you know, physically healthy or whatever, but just psychologically, like, it's a way for you just to see constant improvement exactly. in yourself. And so, like, like, there are other things that you can sort of go like in, with your career and stuff where you can keep improving your career but with training it's easy in a sense where each week like you just do another rep or you just yeah. do another like an extra one kilo even if it looks better yeah like, you might exactly. do the same weight but it looks 10 times better yeah. even a little bit better like you know yeah. it's a win that, that sense of achievement yeah. and sense of fulfillment and I think that carries on to other parts of your life yeah. too where like if you can apply that con- same concept of just doing just a bit better every single week yeah. apply it to career apply it to your education um, you're going to be constantly becoming the best version of yourself every single week yeah, you have to yeah. it's funny like most of the successful people will preach go get up and go to the gym like, yeah. make it as part of your routine you 100%. have to go train yeah. you know like, you see a lot of people doing that and mm. I think that's very important like it does it does have a major impact on you and I find a lot of people that do like you know looking at it like we've had a lot of like really anxious like I've had a lot of people come forth and talk to me about obviously their history of mental health and, mm. and whatnot and seeing that journey in people's lives and, and seeing them get more confident in their own selves and like mm. changing their whole life because of training yeah honestly it's like it's like it's so good to see it's like insane. it's insane yeah. like it is it's training like they've been yeah. going to like psychologists they've been going they've had like you know medication, medication. they've had all that stuff but yeah. the thing that changed them like I know people that honestly were like drug addicts mm. or like you know lived a lifestyle like you know around the wrong people for example yeah. or whatever it was yeah. you know they come to this environment and they'll send me messages at the end of the year and they'll be like every New Year's Eve I'll cop like you know at least a couple of messages or three four messages from people saying thank you so much for changing my life having this facility has allowed me blah 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 yeah, blah whatever yeah. to do it and it's mm. like and that's all because of just training like yeah. which we we take for granted like it is we do take it for granted like, a lot of people yeah. out there right now like that aren't doing it like should start some sort of routine like don't think of it you know there's the physical benefits of it but at the same time like hey get out there and like do it and watch your whole life change around mm. just a bit of routine yeah having that bit of routine like that physical sort of exertion helps yeah. it goes a long way I think the thing for me personally that sets this facility apart from other facilities that I've been to isn't just the equipment but the people yeah like I think the people make make this make this breakthrough yeah, that's um, true. and when I was overseas I was overseas for the past four weeks I got back last Saturday like the thing I missed about training the most was actually just being around people because yeah. I felt like that brought my mood up so much and like training wouldn't be the same without the people who are here no, no, at all. Yeah. like every person here has some like has an impact like some sort of impact like you know like it's just a it's not it's not the facility itself it's not me like my me myself or anything like that it's literally like the people in here I'm blessed mm. to actually have some really good people here yeah I've been lucky you know like since the very start when I look back at all the photos from all you know from the parks all the way through I've been honestly genuinely blessed with a lot of good people and like yeah I look at it and I'm like you know when I see these guys 
out or whatnot. Mm. Even if I, they don't come here anymore, I'm like, I'm so grateful for the fact that these guys were able to train. They sort know, of like trust in you to yeah, train them as well. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then like they didn't realize the impact that they had on the other people. Like, mm. like everyone that's ever been a member, <clears throat> like honestly, should be honestly like really like should take some sort of credit or even yep. people like even my business partners ex- yeah. business partners or like yeah. my ex mm. or anyone in general yeah. you know I look at it and I see it they should like hold their head up high because you know what the impact that they've had in that short term mm. to to when I have 32 breakthroughs yeah. is yeah. because of because of them yeah. yeah, and it's like they've had that impact and they've, they mm. were able to make this place what it is and I'm like mm. I'm so grateful for that yeah you know? that's awesome man I wanted to touch on one last thing. I just wanted to mention something yeah. in terms of like the whole mental health thing. Yeah. I think with a lot of trainers, and I've experienced this myself, where like you're constantly putting other people first yeah. that you end up, I guess, like it takes up, obviously with work, it takes up your time, it takes up your energy and stuff, which is fine. Like that's what work is. But I think a lot of people don't realize is as a personal trainer, you're constantly putting other people first. Like when it's their time, it's their time. It's not your time. Yeah. Um, and like if you try to be a bit more self-centered it's like oh, i'm being selfish right now because like i'm meant to be focusing on my clients and i've gone through spouts where it's just been like fuck like i just i just want someone to care about me yeah. the way i care about my clients yeah. um and i don't know if you experience the same but like sometimes it just gets gets to the point where i'm just like man this shit's tiring like tiring. i just want to break yeah. for a bit and yeah like, i mean i don't know if you can relate or yeah, no, i can definitely know. relate and, I, and people tell me all the time they first thing when they ask me to be a PT everyone is like okay I want to be a PT I want to be a coach I'm yeah. like alright why do you want to be a coach for why do you want to be a PT for mm. they're like I just want to you know I want to train I want to own a gym like yeah. you yeah. or I want to <laughs> something like that and yeah. I'm like nah don't yeah. even get into it I'm, trust me don't get into it yeah. you know it's not worth it yeah. the reason I say that is not to deter people from doing that but when someone comes up to me and says I genuinely care about making people better. Mm. I'm like, get in there. I want you in there ASAP. Yeah. You know what? You want a job? Yeah. I'll help you honestly get that job in here. Like, yeah. And that's like really, really important. Like we care so much about our, you know, our mm. clients. We do like, mm. we, that's why we come here. That's why we do what we do. And I was like, I still remember like there were so many shit days. I'd come in here, I'd put a smile on my face and yeah. like no one would ever know what's going on. Whether yeah. it was like financial hardship mm. or there was like, you know, mental health hardship or whatever yeah. it was, you yeah. know, and that's like, because we do, we do have that sense of like, and I think it develops more and more and more and more that we do it, but we got to make sure that we don't burn ourselves out mm. and put ourselves first. Yeah. Like, you know, for me, a non-negotiable, it's 11 a.m. on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, I'm going to train. I don't care what's going on. I don't care if I have a, like anything, a wedding or any of that stuff now, mm. like whether it is like just being sort of like very stringent on the fact that 11 a.m., is the, the time for you because yep. the reason why you are able to change everyone's lives is because for your passion for your training and don't get me wrong like at that time when I come to train at 11 o'clock I'm like oh, I'm so, I can't be bothered times you don't want to lift you don't want to <laughs> yeah. do any of that stuff yeah, yeah. you don't want to like you know I'm like why just can't I just you know like do something thing but then mm. you realise you've got to do it it's the mm. reason what got you into doing what you do it's who you are as a person Yeah. if you lose that and I did I lost that along the way mm. there was times from 20 when obviously like when I got to the gym when I was 18 to like you know 23 when I started my business I was always fit as soon as I started my business at 23 mm. yeah I realised that I started giving up a lot of my time yep. and my training time I would go without training yeah at the time I was 20, you know like at 24 whatnot, 
I literally was like, I found myself after that year that I wasn't really looking the part. Mm. And because I wasn't looking the part or didn't feel the part, I wasn't able to train people properly. Yeah. And you finally lose that sort of like that drive and that sense. And then I did it again. So I got really fit, got myself in order. But then again, I fell off the bandwagon because again, I was like prioritizing my business first. Yeah. And then what I realized was like, it's like detrimental for in the long term. And then mm. when I had this, the funny part about it, it's like I laugh about it all the time now. Um, when I opened this gym at 27, mm. from for the five years I was here, people would always come in and they were like, I'm here to speak to the owner. And I had like this big guy, Fred, like he's massive. Yeah. He looked really good. He yeah. took care of himself really, mm. really well. He lived and breathed it. And you know, I had this when it came to training. And they would come in and like, they would walk in or like another PT would be at the front or yeah. anyone else would be at the front. Yeah. And they were like, and they're like, hey, we're here to speak to the owner. And then they'll look at that person. Yeah. And then that person will be like, that's him. And they'll look at me and they'll look down at my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh shit, you know, I'm going to lose. Like, I have to like get back in shape. And yeah. like, you realize like, because at that time, I wasn't prioritizing myself. Yeah. I wasn't putting myself first. Mm. And I think it's really important to do so. You've got to put yourself first. Yeah. Um, in anything, whether like training, relationships or... Mm. Or whatever it is, like mm. even business, you got you got to do that because you, if you if you go, if you let yourself go, anyway, you know that's it. It's the end of it. Yeah, it's like end of yeah. what you're trying I, to do. I think that's something that I'm working on myself as well. Like I've had conversations with you about this, like last week or even this week. I think I had a conversation with you where I'm trying to work on myself and um, putting myself first. When I first started working as a PT, when I was, when I think I was 18, so uh, three years ago. Yeah. I like my own training was crammed in like I was I was just like cramming in my sessions I was just like trying to fit in my training in between clients and stuff because I was just so focused on growing my PT business and getting as many clients as I could that like yeah my own training was was sacrificed and it came to a point where I was like shit like I actually can't train or like I actually can't commit to training anymore because I'm so busy with my clients or like there's so many other things on my mind that I want to do um, and that took an impact on my training and that actually impacted my own self-confidence, impacted my psych- like my, my mental health and my, my mental well-being. And so a big thing that changed my, I wouldn't say it changed my life, but just changed the way I operate is I now set like four hour blocks for my training. And I just say like, this is my time. Like there's, yeah, there's no, like there's no, it's not negotiable. No, you gotta exactly. have the non-negotiables. Like I have, I have a few non-negotiables like for my day, yeah. like daily, on a daily basis. And you got to, like yeah. if you want to succeed in whatever you do, mm. you've got to have non-negotiables. Yeah, I think absolutely. I, I think I watched a video about Kobe Bryant. He had non-negotiables. Like he would set a plan for his training for the whole like off season. Yeah. And it, it would get into it and you're like, oh, I'm going to have to change it a little bit. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not changing That's it. That's right. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. 100%. It is what it is. Yeah. Sign that contract, you got to do it. Done. Yeah. And it's like, it's important. Like, I think you got to have like at least like, you know, three non-negotiables a day mm. that mm. you got to do. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you opening up about that whole mental health thing. Like, it definitely isn't easy to open up about that. And, um, but I think it's really important to be, for people to see that despite being, from what I can see from the outside, such like a happy individual, someone who's just, you know, confident and, you know, have such a great facility to, to actually have gone through all these things as well. Um, you know, it's, it's normal for people to go through these, these things. And like, I think it's also very important to reach out, whether it's to a psychologist or just talk to friends, talk to family, someone that you trust about these sorts of things. And at the end of the day, like for the most part, your friends just want the best for you. 
and I think that's that's what yeah a lot of people need need to keep in mind. So sure. yeah, is there anything else that you want to mention to wrap it up or? Um, make sure you come if you haven't been to this facility before. Make sure you come down and have a look at it. Um, yeah. Again, like I said before, it's just yeah, just like on the, touching on the mental health thing. It's just like I just want people to realize you know you're gonna get go through you know so many adversities. Whether it's if you fighting you or you fighting you know things like you know not being able to get things your way, mm. but you can always sort of strive to be able to get what you want. Yeah. It's just a matter of just like persevering. And the, it brings it back to those values of like consistency, routine, and just for me. Like my values in terms of like, in order to achieve your goals is just consistency and just hard work. Man. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Hard work. That's it. You gotta yeah. make sure you put it in. Yeah. So nice. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Thanks for being on. Um, hopefully you guys enjoy this podcast. Um, if you would like to follow George on Instagram, yeah. what's your Instagram, George? I think it's George, I mean, uh, George Caffrini23. Is it 23? Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. So George, at George Caffrini23. You can also follow Breakthrough Fitness on Instagram. Breakthrough Fitness underscore? Underscore, that's it. Yeah, Breakthrough Fitness underscore. I'm on Instagram as well, coventran.fitness. And of course, follow dailyhustle.apparel on Instagram. Um, please like, leave a comment, um, give us any feedback, and I hope you guys have an amazing day. Awesome. Sweet. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. That's it. Done. Done. Awesome.